0: You are Locked On Buckeyes, your daily podcast on the Ohio State Buckeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is up, Buckeye fans? Welcome back to the episode of Locked On Buckeyes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Jay Stevens, also the host of the Jay Stevens Podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by Built Go to builtbar.com and use promo code. Locked On, and you'll get 20% off your next order. It is Monday, October the 26th, the year 2020. Buckeyes are coming off a big win over the Cornhuskers on Saturday, and it was a great way to start the season. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at jstephens07. Also, you can follow the podcast on Twitter as well at Locked On Buckeye. Lined up for today in segment two, we'll talk about some things that didn't sit well with me when I watched the game on Saturday. And then also in segment three, some bright spots, some players that I believe will be very, very big for this team down the road throughout the season. But first we start with Justin Fields. And I have one statement to make about this young man. Justin Fields got better. And I'm not just saying that as a guy that was has been a fan of Ohio State my entire life and then has just started covering the team this year. Take the fandom out of it. Me covering the team as the host of the podcast, the analyst that I have been—not just here, but also uh, via the Jay Stevens podcast and other podcasts that I host. Justin Fields got better. Last year, previous years, I try to go to one or two Buckeye football games a year. Generally, it's just one, but sometimes I can make—I can make a couple. So last year, I went to two. The first one being Ohio State at Indiana in Bloomington, in Bloomington Indiana. I use a basketball school or quote-unquote basketball school I know Hoosiers believe that's a basketball school but the production on the basketball court doesn't isn't producing basketball wins and at the rate that Hoosiers believe Hoosier fans believe they should come but I went to the Indiana uh, Ohio State game last year and then also went to the Big Ten championship game and one thing that stuck out during the Indiana game was this and I said it to my dad during the game Justin Fields holds on to the ball For way too long and I was I was not the first person to say that I know other fans like yourself have said that I know other people that are in the media like myself have said that as well but what I saw on Saturday from Justin Fields was not really expected I expected more errant passes I expected more incompletions. I expected maybe a chance, a time or two where he needed to throw the ball away due to a coverage sack because you had a, a lot of young, bodies playing, young people playing receivers, a lot of young bodies on the field, on the outside of the trenches. So I was like, oh, okay, he'll have to throw the ball away or new no guys behind him running the ball. That would hinder him, that would hinder the blocking of the backs so that he may have to throw the ball away a time or two. We didn't see that. We saw quick repetitions over and over and over. We saw him with his pre step reads and post-snap verification. We saw Justin Fields making very good pinpoint passes. Another thing I loved about Justin Fields, and there's a plethora of things I loved about Justin Fields, and I'm sure you loved as well. But another thing about Justin Fields that I thoroughly loved watching throughout the entirety of the game was the placement of the ball when throwing the ball to receivers. No matter if it was Jackson Smith and Jigba, or if it was Chris Olave, or Garrett Wilson, or Jeremy Ruckert, or Luke Farrell, or whoever he threw the ball to, the ball placement, that's elite. You can talk all you want about Trevor Lawrence, all you want about Trey Lance, via one game, and I know one game, and you don't want to take a snapshot of one player or one team and say, this is what you're going to see throughout the entirety of the season, but... The ability of Justin Fields to not just be able to read and react at a, at a quicker rate, at a pinpoint rate, snap of the finger, get the ball out right when at the right time every single time, but also the ball placement. I remember I heard Joe Clatt maybe Gus Johnson. I know Joe Clatt mentioned this via in the broadcast and I believe also post-game as well via a video that he puts on Facebook. The ball placement that Justin Fields had during that game was elite and he knew going into this game he was going to have to have a game where he was playing at a rate that the newcomers out of there on the office those that have not really stepped foot on a Buckeye football field or those that have played in a on a Buckeye football field but not played that position or are getting more playing time than normal Justin Fields knew that he's going to have to play at a rate against Nebraska with Nebraska is better than advertised. I will give them credit there. Nebraska is bigger is better than advertised. And with Justin Fields with with the three four at the Cornhuskers run, Justin Fields also knows picking up that fourth guy. No matter if it's a, no matter who it is, if it's a safety, a, a corner, if it's a linebacker coming in, picking up that fourth rusher is very very key. And you saw pre snap post snap, Justin Fields looked like he was in pre season form. I grew up being a Peyton Manning fan. Indianapolis Colts fan, and one defense that tripped up Peyton Manning time after time after time again was the 3-4 defense. Why? Why? Because of what I just said. He didn't know where that fourth rusher was coming from. Not if it was the San Diego Chargers, San Diego back then, not in LA currently, San Diego Chargers, New England Patriots, or the Pittsburgh Steelers. That fourth rusher that scheme, the schematics, the pre snap, post snap differences that Peyton Manning saw—it confused him like crazy. And early in the game, I was expecting the same thing from Fields. First game against, first game of the season, first time you're hitting somebody with different, with a different uh, style of jersey, same colors. I'm like, I had, to, I had to change it up for y'all. Same, same, same colors, but different style of jersey. So Justin Fields saying, "Hey, I have watched all this film all offseason." I have asked Ryan Day time after time after time again what you're seeing, why you're seeing it, and how it could help me during the game. Justin Fields, the plant-based diet helped. We saw him on numerous runs. There was one run. he was I thought he was down for a one or two-yard loss. He broke it, kept going. The power was there, and he got a five or six or seven-yard gain off of that, which should have been a one or two-yard loss. The power, extra power. The vision, the ability to be a smarter person on the field and be a coach on the field. I said it earlier, I'll say it again. And by my estimation, I know it's just one game, there's a good chance, I'll say it throughout the season, numerous times, Justin Fields got better. Also, very, very quickly, some of you may have not watched the entire game or may have just gotten little pieces of it. 20 for 21. One incompletion is amazing, but that one incompletion was literally a touchdown in the hands of Chris Olave. He got undercut by a defender, and the ball came out. Put that back in there. 21 for 21. He's putting up, he he was as accurate as a guy in in game number one as you would ever imagine. Keep it up, young man. I love what I see. A tougher test next week than I think we saw against uh, Indiana that Penn State put up, but It's Penn State. They're number 18 in the AP poll. Ohio State's number three. It's Happy Valley on Halloween in Beaver Stadium. Typical, normal, whiteout. Not happening this year because of 2020, as we know. But even though it's not happening, anything anything is possible. But I like our chances. I like the chances of the Buckeyes going into this game against the Nittany Lions on Saturday night. Let's take a quick timeout. Got to work from Coors Light and Built Bar. When we come back, I'll talk about some things that I did not like that I saw from the Buckeyes on Saturday. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? These days, everything is go, go, go. Nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, friends family a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24 7 well there's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill and that's Coors Light Coors Light wants you to know that no matter what sport is on this fall Saturdays are your time to chill watching football is therapeutic to fans it is uninterrupted me time and an excuse to chill and drink beer. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in a new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Think about those times after a tough, tough workout. You're there, your body's worn out. You've torn down your muscles. You put yourself through a time period that you did think was imaginable for your body to go through, but you love how you feel, The how tired, how worn out maybe you may feel. But you need something to rebuild the muscles to give you uh, a way to recoup and to build up what you just tore down. Well, Built Bar is what is perfect for you at that point in time. Built Bar is great for the health of conscious guy. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, great for the keto diet. Also with the purchase at BuiltBar.com, you will get a free cooler now. These are only available while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, that is L-O-C-K-E-D. Owen and you will get 20% off your next order use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. In any game, first game of the season, you expect some hiccups. In shows on Locked On Buc- and on Locked On Buckeyes last week, leading in the show prior on Friday's show leading up into the game, I believe on Thursday as well, there are things that you expect to hear that may be a question mark on the offense, on the defense, or special teams, there are things that you expect to go wrong during any point in time during the first game of the season simply because it's game number one. Not like the NFL or many of your local high school areas where there is a scrimmage or a pregame style of ramp-up from versus another school where you have to... uh, figure out what they do on the fly, maybe make adjustments or follow your script. But also, via the script, you don't know what the opposition is going to do because it's a different offense, a different team, a different coach. So there are certain things you expect early on in the season. But guys, one thing I didn't expect during this game was the issues on the O-line, via the O-line, not just in the run game, but also in pass pro. And I don't know which mark or which point in the game it was. I know early in the first quarter, both offense and defense were really—offensive line was struggling. Defense, Baron Browning, what were you doing, young man? There were times during the game, i thinking, Baron Browning, you know what to do. You know what to do. I, it was one play—the uh, Nebraska Cornhuskers I had to close—I closed my eyes to visualize things. It's, I'm one of those guys that talk it out, and I have to close my eyes to go back in my mind and see exactly what I saw during that point in the game. So was Nebraska going in the red zone. They're going uh, from left to right. So the end zone is on the right side of the television screen. And it was a run right, I believe. Uh, Adrian Martinez had the ball. And Baron Browning had the perfect opportunity. I know it's his O line. Uh, o line segment, but I got to hit on Baron Browning quickly. Baron Browning had the perfect opportunity to take the blocker head on. I believe it was a right tackle or tight end. One of the two. But it was someone that was uh, his height, um, heavier than him. But it was someone that. He knew. He knows how to take the block on head on. And he knows how to uh, properly take it on, either uh, shed and react or stand there, still make the block so somebody else can come up and make the tackle. When Baron Browning went up, look, he came in very timid, very soft, like he didn't want to uh, attack the, the, the blocker like he practiced all summer and throughout his entire Buckeye career, even going back into high school. Touchdown. Not fun at all. But on the offensive side, i got to get back on the offense because I'll hit on the defense in a second. The offensive side of the ball, the O-line, the offensive line, and it was really shocking when I see Harry Miller, Josh Myers, and Wyatt Davis not being on the same page, not being the potential All-Americans that they can be. Wyatt Davis' potential first-round draft pick. Guys, my goodness, I understand first, I understand pregame jitters. I understand first game not knowing what's going to happen. But the mistakes that these three— that's, these three are making. Why they was made a couple? Primarily, it was Harry Miller and Josh Myers. Really, really opening to see that you're turning your shoulders. You're not reading what's in front of you. There's a blitzer right in front of you, and instead of picking up the blitzer, you're you're to the side of the blitzer, and he and he comes in, or you're turning your shoulders to block down with somebody, not realizing and being aware that pre-snap the linebacker or even the D lineman is showing they're coming right for you. A couple things here, and I know I heard a lot of people talk about the running game, the running backs, and say, oh, we need a go-to, the Buckeyes need a go-to running back. That's great. Everybody wants a go-to running back. And I know at some point in time, either Trey Sermon and Master Teague will be the featured back on the team, or we can see a 60-40 split, as Corey Thompson stated earlier, host co-host of The Scarlet and Great podcast. You may see a 55-45 split. I don't think you'll see a 70-30 or an 80-20, uh, something similar, like we saw, like like the buck I saw last year, or a 75-25 between a J.K. Dobbins and Master I, I don't believe it'll be that drastic of a split between the carries that Sermon and Teague get, but guard, center, guard. Despite the issues that the O-line had. Primarily those three individuals, and actually I will say uh, Wyatt Davis a little bit, but it was really Harry Miller and, uh, and uh, Josh Myers primarily that I saw most of the time that had a couple issues there. Running back is great, but it's very very hard for running back to, to to read the hole and get through the hole and miss the blocker in the backfield time at the time at the time again. If the guys in front of him, the Hog Mollies, uh, when I was when I was in school playing lineman, they called us the Hogs. If the guys in front aren't doing their jobs. Now, granted, Nebraska's front seven, especially the front three, is better than advertised. And they pinpointed that on the broadcast, and it was very, very well documented throughout numerous plays And Nebraska defense was on the field. But that's just one test. Penn State's better. Indiana is going to be better than advertised as well. That team up north is hungry this year. You're going to have to play better than this throughout the entirety of the game because people are coming for the Buckeyes not just because they want to dethrone the three-time Big Ten champion, but also because they know the Big Ten, the Ohio State is trying to win a national championship. Well, if they knock off the Buckeyes, maybe they could get that spot in the college football playoff playoff at the end of the season. Another thing, the running back position. I know people have harped on Master Teague not having any wiggle. We knew that last year. We saw that last year. We knew that going into the season. So Master Team not having the wiggle that you think a a running, a running back should, that's expected. That's normal. That's nothing out of the ordinary. Trey Sermon, I think he didn't start first game. Master T knows the offense better, so you have Master T come in. Also, you're going to see things and wrinkles during the Penn State game that you didn't see during the during the Nebraska game. As the offense started to take off and Justin Fields started to make more plays, well, continue to make the plays he had made all game, I think Ryan Day realized we don't have to open up the playbook against Nebraska right now. We could say those plays for down the road, and we all know uh, the game against that team up north at the end of the season there's going to be plays, and we're going to see things that game as well that'll be very, very eye-opening. And that say Ryan Day will say, we've been holding on to that all year. We just knew that we had this play against this team we could we could utilize at this time. During this situation, everything fell into place, and the rest is history. Also, O-line issues, running back, I'm not too concerned about it, but you you guys do have to find a hole a little bit quicker than you did during game one. But on defense, and I'm almost out of time on segment two, or defense. No matter if it's Werner on the outside, if it's Browning on the outside, if it's Cooper on the outside, if it's other players on the outside, Atala Friday on the outside. Nobody wanted to keep contained at times. I only listed a few players. So happy Tommy Togiai and Haskell Garrett started to get pressure up the middle to de- derail and to rattle Adrian Martinez. And then even when Luke McCaffrey was in the game, even playing running back, which my goodness, uh, those McCaffrey, Ed, 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 I don't know what you doing. I don't know what you, and, what you and your wife have in your bodies that you're producing cats like this, but share some of that with the listeners of Locked On Buckers. I understand you've already made the kits, but you can also Tell us the formulas about how you develop the kids once they're born. Because myself, I know you've been listening to this podcast. They may say, hey, Ed, if it works for you, works for your kids, send it to us. It can work for us and the other people as well. We want to develop and be human beings that can move like that, that can look like that, that can be that kind of athlete on the gridiron, on the football field. But defense, you have to keep contained. I understand it's new, and one thing I said earlier, or well, I think it was Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday. What are the two episodes of last week? I said, "Who's going to breathe the the rush of the on the defense? Who's going to be that guy to step up and be the pass rusher or the guy on the defensive line that is it's special that can derail and that could be the one that coaches focus on via film sessions." I don't know, but too many times I saw the defense not. Keeping contained. And you probably know my plays in your mind. You're saying, oh, yeah, exactly what you're talking about. Oh, yeah, I remember that play. I, I remember this. I remember that. And I remember exactly what happened there. And I know what you're talking about. They didn't keep contained. Agent Martinez, Luke McCaffrey, Dedrick Mills. That's Nebraska. Wait till you see other players throughout the Big Ten. They're going to go back to this game and say, oh, we do this. We have these counters. We have these misdirections. Well, how else they can't slow that down? Not early. If we get tied and we start to slow them down, if we get a lead, it could be a long night for the Buckeyes. Guys, one more timeout quickly. First game of the season. As you see, I have a lot to say. I'm going to take a quick timeout and then talk about a couple bright spots for the Buckeyes I saw in game number one before we wrap up this Monday's show. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. The Buckeyes. Game number one, we always have things that are going to be question marks, but also we're going to have things that will be bright spots. Going into the game, I won't even talk about the defense right now and how Haskell Garrett got shot in the face between both cheeks and how he found a way to play in the game and how I don't, I can't really put words to describe his play and what he did. But, but these young receivers, keep your eyes on them. Not just the young receivers, but do you see how Chris Alave constantly finds the hole in the defense? It gets open, gets separation, not just off the line of scrimmage. But also in the middle of his route, the last third of his route, the separation, he catches the ball with his hands. The sideline catch, and I believe another time period, this is on the sideline now. I think, of course, it's the middle of the field, uh, sideline being on the bottom of the screen as you're watching the game. And Justin Fields throws the ball. No, granted, there's, there's, not, there's not a Nebraska cornerstone defender, no matter if it's a linebacker or a DB around Alave, but... Justin Fields throws a ball where only Alave can catch it even if there was a defender around there. You got to practice like there's a defender around, around there at all times. He throws the ball to Alave, Alave. So smooth. My goodness. Catches the ball with both hands, gets one foot in, and then goes out of bounds. My dad in that situation, I'll talk about I talked about my I talk about my dad. I will talk about him a whole lot more here on the podcast, but my dad is an advocate of situations like that in college. It two feet ten, make it harder for the receiver, make it more pro-like for the receiver, not like high school, in middle school, in every other level of football prior to the college level. All right, Dad, I'm with you. I, I some I, I agree in some aspects about some things that he says, but I'm just so glad that at this point in time that rule is not in place. Cause you will take away not just that catch, the Jackson Smith and Jigba catch in the back of the end zone. You will take away that catch as well. I, you know. With the Buckeyes right now, I am very, very close to just, you know, how people on Twitter, not their Twitter handle, but their name on Twitter. As you know, my name is Jay Stevens. Um, your, your name may be Zach. I know Zach on Twitter messaged me a couple times. Uh, you may have, your name may be Sarah or Corey or Amanda or your name may be Bob Smith. You know how you have Bob Smith and you may want to have a variation of your name, but still make people know that your name is literally Bob Smith, and I have seen uh, on the J Stevens podcast, I had a guy come on, he's a beat writer for the Lakers, Los Angeles Lakers, this was happening before he they won the NBA championship, and his name is Harrison Fagan. But his Twitter name, his name on Twitter, not his Twitter handle, but the name before the handle, champion, no, Playoff Fagan. And I said, where did that come from? He said, Lakers Twitter, something that we do, something a little bit fun. Uh, during the playoff time, you take away your first name, you say Playoff, whatever your last name is. Well, I'm not taking away my first name or my last name. Just right in the middle, right in the middle. I was going to put in parentheses in Jigba. J parentheses in Jigba Stevens. Why? Because there's the fan in me. I, I, I know I'm going off the rail. I should be doing this, but, I, uh, but it's just on my mind. The fan in me wants to hop on and buy into and enjoy the play of a freshman receiver. Julian Fleming, or whoever else it is, I want to buy it and fall in love with and make him my favorite player receiver on the team. Jackson Smith and Jigba, before you, was Garrett Wilson. I still like Garrett Wilson's five's number one one of my favorite favorite colors. Wow, Way way off the rails now. One of my favorite numbers. Five is a number, not a color, Jay. Let's get it together. Five being one of my favorite numbers. But there's something special about Jackson Smith and Jigba. I, I, his athleticism is speed I, lo- I love the hands of the players but something special about him and if you see on my timeline on twitter Jay parentheses and jigma stevens you know you heard it right here first on monday october 26th the year 2020 on locked on buckeyes because he's one chris alave came in as a freshman took buckeye fans by storm and Jigba, I know you only had two catches for four. I believe it was two catches. Let me double check. You have two catches for five yards, one touchdown. I know you only had that. That's all That's all you need, man. Hey, sometimes I'm easy to please. Sometimes it's a little bit harder to crack the code. Right now, I'm easy. Easy like Sunday morning. Keep doing your thing, young man. I like you. But these receivers, the young receivers, keep your eyes on them. Because we're going to find that not just a secondary of the corner. the just which seemed like the zone in running, they didn't know what was going on. The receivers of the Buckeyes were constantly finding the the holes in the defense, and the play calling was such that it made it easy for everybody on the offense and the passing game to do their job. But Garrett Wilson seven catches for 129 yards. Chris Olave six for 104. Julian Fleming one for 13. Trey Sermon one for seven. Uh, Williams one for Jameson Williams one for one catch for seven yards. Jeremy Ruckard one for six. Jackson Smith and Jigwa two for five. And I can't forget, I can't go past this one either. Uh, Luke Farrell one catch for five yards as well. One thing that I love about Justin Fields is not just the ball placement, but he's not afraid to pass the ball around the yard, throw it around the yard, and get more people involved. Now, yes, Wilson had seven. Alave had six. Those are your top two guys, and throughout the game, you noticed those are his favorite receivers. He's going to get them involved more more often than others and earlier on than other players on the field. But there will be games. The other players that are there, I don't believe I read off Master Teague having a catch during that game. We know Trey Sermon will be featured more in the passing game than Master Teague will. There will be times, Penn State week may be one of them, you will have to feature. You will have to throw the ball around the yard way more than expected. And starting early in the season, maybe this was part of Fields' display and part of his mindset. I can read and react pre snap, read post snap verification. I can get the ball around the guys. But I know at some point I have to get these guys comfortable in the passing ra- in the passing game, knowing where I'm going to throw the ball, knowing getting the trust of them and myself, so that when the ball when it's needed, I can get the ball to them more often. Hey, great start to the season for the receivers, not just Wilson or Lavi that they'll get a lot of attention, even the youngsters as well. Very soon, maybe this upcoming week, you'll see one of those other guys be featured to be more prominent and say, hey, we need you to make a big catch. This plays for you. Put your put your hands right where they need to be and catch that thing. Also, I mentioned it earlier, but I'll close out with this. Haskell Garrett, for the offseason that he has had, for the issue for, the, for him... Getting, I say issue. The unfortunate dealing, the unfortunate thing of him getting shot in the face, the bullet going through both cheeks, I think it was two months ago, and him being on the field game one and having the game that he had being the disruptor that we, that the Buckeyes needed, not just starting with him, but you also saw Tommy Togiai get in that train as well and really started to disrupt the play calling, rattle Adrian Martinez. Even they put Luke McCaffrey in there. Luke McCaffrey had some success. Uh, the 42-yard run, I can talk about that as well, and how the Buckeyes tackling was atrocious. It was like they didn't want to tackle the guy. Uh, I, know, I, guess I know he's McCaffrey, and I, I know how the McCaffreys are made of, how they're built, but... The Buckeyes are better than that. And I know it's game number one. I understand the pregame jitters. I understand the new faces on the defense. I get all of that. We'll talk about that some tomorrow on Tuesday to start the show. Forget all of that. Tackle the man. Play like you're supposed to. And Haskell Garrett, once everything started to get going and the, play, the game started to progress and started to get more comfortable with what Nebraska was throwing at you, play after play. After play, after play, after play. Haskell Garrett, Tommy Togiai were the disruptors up the middle. Looking more for game two to get some guys on the outside of the line to be disruptors more often and more, uh, be uh, more prolific than they were throughout the throughout game number one. But receivers, great. Love what I'm seeing. Haskell Garrett, Tommy Togiai for what Haskell Garrett has gone through, for what Tommy Togiai is doing, great. I love it. Come back tomorrow, guys. Like I said, we'll talk about the defense, how the defense, if newcomers and new faces there, new positions, how it may affect the Buckeyes down the road, positively and negatively. Then also we have some guests coming up. I believe on Wednesday we're going to have Kevin McGuire, host of Locked On Nittany Lions, to have a crossover episode as we preview the upcoming matchup on Halloween between the Nittany Lions and the Buckeyes in Happy Valley. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Locked on Buckeyes and coming back once again. You can follow me on Twitter at stevens 7 Follow the podcast on Twitter as well at Locked on Buckeye, Apple Podcast, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, just to name a few places that you can subscribe or follow to the podcast to stay up to date and to get an alert whenever a new episode comes out for Locked on Buckeyes. Five-star review, guys. Fill them up. Help more people come across and enjoy the same Buckeye podcast you enjoy five days a week. Big game coming up this coming Saturday against Penn State. But also, let's ride high off the win over the Cornhuskers on this past Saturday. A great way to start the season. And you know I have to end the show with these two words. Go Bucks!